All right. So last week was a little messy on my side, and but today I got the usual four hours of sleep, so I'm more <laughs> prepared and alert, um, especially back on my game. So a couple of follow-up items from related to Colorado and the Midwest, which people keep telling me isn't the Midwest, but I think it's kind of one of those like prove me wrong situations. It's certainly not the west or the east coasts of the United States. So, um, I ate somewhere that was featured on Trip D, mm. and it was not very good. So, therefore, I don't know if there's some type of like Google survey thing that I can submit for a refund or a cashback guarantee from <laughs> Mister Fietti. But, um. Yeah, Denver Biscuit Company. It, it was well. It was well reviewed, and on their website, which well, let me let me Google it, because one other thing that I like to do is, um, you ever go to a a restaurant website and you just hit the escape key just to see if it's powered by Squarespace? No. Yeah, I do that a lot. Apparently, this this was not one of them, but it, most websites were. I mean, I'm just happy that we're no longer in a like you're old enough to remember this, where every I think like in the early 2010s i don't know what the decade is called every fancy restaurant web page was like designed in flash so it wouldn't work on your iphone so you could never preview a menu while you were out and about you remember that i can't say that i do no yeah there, there was this weird period where flash was half dead but it wasn't but now we're in kind of this golden age where everybody has squarespace and um <laughs> squarespace is expensive for personal use I, I really wish they would fix that but overall for a business owner i feel like it's an unbeatable product Unsolicited yeah, I, ad. yeah yeah right um <laughs> or, or, or un, unpaid for endorsement right yeah they are pricey but i you know it's 120 dollars a year that's yeah a i mean it's that's kind of similar to something like i don't know like fireside which we use for this show i mean well, i could i could host the show more inexpensively but if i want something that's kind of in a you know nice package that's really easy to use you know i'm i'm going to be willing to pay a little bit more i feel like squarespace is that way too or sure you can make your own website but if you want it to be easy and accessible you know i guess i guess my issue is that i ha that i pay for squarespace's like it, it hosts part of my personal website but i also pay a hundred uh well, actually it's 144 dollars a year to host the website of my joke restaurant where it feels like whenever that comes up for its annual renewal i'm like is this joke still worth it and i'm the answer is probably no but i still pay for it but like i wish there was like a volume discount thing where there was like some way for them to verify that hey you're some random random person on the internet and you're not yeah it's kind of like the wall street journal where i'm never going to pay 60 dollars a month or whatever it actually costs so it'd be cool if there's like a way you could submit that hey I don't work in the industry, but I would like to pay for journalism, but not that much. Can I introduce you to the Apple One bundle? No, because I, I because on principle I I reject and and um, resent Fitness Plus <laughs> having uh, them having uh, redesigned the Fitness app to make it so that Fitness Plus is now a tab nobody wants, and that looking at uh, certain parts of your activity requires like three taps instead of one now. So no, I do not want to reward them. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, Den Denver Biscuit Company. Apparently, it was um, it was well reviewed, and it was, and it was, if you scroll down on denbisco dot com, right, not bad. Uh, there is um, somewhere on here. There's a, a link to the uh, the Trip D um, 
feature. Yeah, you can click on it and then go to slash <laughs> slash DDD. Sure. And you've got um, Fieri in his uh, signature Camaro. And um, yeah. So this, I mean, this looks very promising. I can see why you went here. This is a place I would also be very drawn to. What What was disappointing about it? So I ordered two things. One of them didn't come. So <laughs> which, hold on, which location did you go to? I'm going to pull up the menu. I went to the one, I don't know where, what Denver is. I West went to Port, the one on Colfax, Tennyson, Broadway, Stanley Marketplace. One on South Broadway. Okay, Broadway. Um, okay, menu. Ooh, a very recently updated menu as of July 8th, 2021. That's supposed to be an evergreen podcast. It's always... I, I was... <laughs> I was struck by this when I went to Denver and well, I'm actually probably struck by it basically every time I leave the Bay area, just how much hey, less expensive hey, things are. You're stealing my, that's item three. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll get back to that. Um, can you link me to this? Cause I can't find the menu on this website. Oh, it's such a, oh, well, no. it's such a well-designed website. I can't oh, imagine. The, we, well, yeah, it's not a Squarespace site. So I got this big thing that says we are growing. And it, the, the website, or the uh, menu, rather, is hosted on something called AtomicCowboy.net. So I, oh, that, I, I probably have a virus on my Mac no, no, now. That's, that's, but... that's my LLC. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, this, I, mean I, I was interested in this just on the basis of looking at the website, but looking at the menu, I, I just I can't see how you messed this up. I didn't mess it up, so I ordered Sully's. Oh, fries. not you, not, just just the, like them. What was wait? So sorry, I, what'd you order? So I ordered Sully's fries, which Sully's, never came. Sully's fries. Yeah, so those, those are not existent. Fries. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so those didn't come, so therefore I can't really grade that. And then I also got the. Um, they had some French toasty thing, but it was actually a biscuit. Um, and that was fine. Well, they have under- something called biscuit French toast. Yeah, that's what it's called in Australia because of the equator. Right. They have something uh, called the schooner, which is a cornmeal and PBR battered catfish. Does and PBR that's, that's, stand for Paps Blue Ribbon? It does. That's that's thumbs very ups- very upsetting. Trip- so the minus triple, points for that. Yeah, trip D thumbs or triple thumbs down. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's Guy Fieri's version of the Roger Ebert thing. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it came highly recommended from multiple people that I know. Um, I did not have the because I'm being healthy this year and that's working actually fairly well. I did not order the giant cinnamon roll, yeah, which is apparently that. what they are known for. But anyway, just, I mean, and I went for like a late, like an, a, I don't think you, can you have brunch on a weekday? I don't think you can. It's illegal in some states. I don't know what the deal in Colorado is. Definitely illegal in Utah. Mm-hmm. But um, the, uh, yeah, I went for like a, like around 1230, but it was more of a, but again, it's biscuits. So it's breakfast food um, and not Ted Lasso biscuits, like biscuits, biscuits. But um, music was way too loud. Didn't get half my order, and the um, the French toast thing I got was undercooked. Where in the middle, like I don't know if you ever gotten to something that's like uh, kind of breakfasty, but it's just not fully done in the middle. Where it's basically just half half of the food you can't eat. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so it wasn't good. Uh, but again, whatever. It was part, part, overall part of a very mixed trip. You're you're not going to expect this, but I actually have a biscuit thing for you if you want to just keep the the biscuit thing going. 
I have no idea where that's going, so I'm, I'll, I'll take that ride with you. Okay. I'm going to send you this link. This is We're bringing it local now, bringing it back is this, into... Is this literally next to, uh, to Monk's Tavern? Monk's Kettle, yes. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get... Oh, man, that's... Hmm, that's tricky. Or right, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay. Tungle that for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the story with this place is... Uh, it's called Biscuits and Buns, um, local here to the San Rafael area. Um, they were supposed to open... I actually was talking with, I think, I guess she was one of the um, owners the, the one time that I went a couple weeks ago and they were supposed to open. I think it was like the day before, like the day of everything shutting down last year. Mm-hmm. So then they were kind of open here and there last year and then opened, you know, basically full times uh, a couple months ago, I think. And this was on my radar when I first heard about it. But I became very skeptical when I discovered it was a gluten and dairy free bakery. Like I'm Aww. not gonna, I'm not gonna hate, I'm not gonna hate on that. Um, but it's just not it, you, generally it, it, my thing. Well, no, but it also means you not that you have to hate on it, but that you immediately have to like take down your expectations by like four notches. Yeah, just because it, of the exactly. ingredient limitation. Like, I, like no, no shame or like I'm happy that those places exist, but y- you know it's gonna be challenging. That's right. Um. But then when I went to Muck's Kettle, you know, a month or so ago, uh, you know, I, I saw this place again and I, I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to at least look at their website and kind of see just like what the deal is. And they had a surprisingly large, really tasty sounding variety of stuff. And so and they have like a you know, pretty nice system set up where you can, you know, order ahead online, just go in and pick it up nice and easy. Um, and so I gave it a try, like I said, like two weeks ago, maybe. And, you know, it, it was, it was good. Not, not great. Not bad. I, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I tried it. Probably not something I'm going to do regularly, both because, you know, I would rather just have like regular biscuits and, you mm-hmm. know, this place, um, which you might talk more about when discussing Monk's Kettle is, is quite pricey. And I, you know, I, I bet with biscuits and buns, there's, there's probably some, good reasons for that with maybe some of the ingredients they have to use. But, um, but yeah, it is, you know, you're talking, you know, five, $6 an item, which, which, you know, for what you're getting is, is pricey. Yeah. A couple things on this, um, the website. So the, the, the smooth checkout flow that you talk about, not, um, not for this to be just like a free endorsement podcast, but I'm very much into, uh, websites or restaurants that allow, um, online ordering that's powered through square mm-hmm. so this this deep down is a, a a web front end for square which i think makes a lot of sense because like i've never i've actually i've literally never used doordash uber eats or seamless or something but i but i've always um intrigued and optimistic about uh like like order ahead type stuff not because like I'm I'm averse to talking to people on the phone or anything like that, but it's just like it's just so much easier to get kind of a, an estimate of when your food will be available, what's what's in what's in stock or available, and just can kind of go like that. Like there's a, a restaurant nearby called Burma Town that um, is very very good Burmese food, and it uh, has a similar square front, and it's nice. And um, Suvla also does this for Greek food in, in San Francisco. But yeah, but that, that's very nice. Where I but I also kind of like I know a lot of restaurants accomplish this through maybe unwillingly, but through, um, DoorDash and Uber Eats. So yeah, that, that's, that's neat. Uh, related to, to gluten-free stuff. 
My big complaint about this is that, and, and sorry, not the, not this particular restaurant. It's like gluten free unless you actually have a gluten allergy. The food is like uh, objectively and dramatically worse for you in terms of like health wise. Like the substitute ingredients that they have to use are generally like the fat and sodium and, and many other like components. Like it's it's just so much worse. So if it's not a dietary necessity, uh, gluten free is usually pretty bad. Yeah, well, and and to this place's credit, they they in no way <laughs> insinuate that this stuff is like healthier or anything. Yeah, which I, 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 which I know you're not implying, but yeah, oh, no, I, I, I I hear you with the gluten free <laughs> being you know equated to being like health food. Which oh yes, uh, could be the case, but is not always the case for sure. I remember listening to somebody talk about they're doing like a gluten cleanse, and and that was very much like that they, they were talking about it under the guise of like doing a juice cleanse where they thought it was somehow going to be healthy for you. Or, but also a juice cleanse is just a way for you to spend $60 on cold-pressed juices that just makes you, um, anyway. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to do a healthy gluten-free diet, which are, which is, you know, plenty good for you, but you wouldn't involve, you know, eating these biscuits every morning, let's say. Yeah. What's keto? Is keto no gluten? I know uh, what paleo is, I think, maybe. I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay, it's okay. People can pause. There's, there'll, be, there'll be chapter markers in this episode, and they can come back um, after the ad, after the ad break. Now, you you add the chapter markers, right? Y- yep. <laughs> yep. It's a mom. You're, you're on that. Uh huh. Good. Um. Actually, should we talk about Monk's Tavern? Monk's Kettle. God damn, are you trolling me? I came prepared with one thing, so <laughs> I I I don't remember that. So. You made a recommendation, an offline online recommendation about a new, um, and actually I was, I was talking to a friend about this. I didn't know what to call it. It's not real. It's not a brewery because they don't brew their own beer. Is it, is a pub what you'd call it? What would you call it? I would refer to it as a, as like a brew pub. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good with a big old asterisk that it's too profoundly way too expensive. Am I out of line here? Just briefly so it's interesting that that was your reaction because i've talked with some others about this place as well and that i've heard that same sentiment um in other places too Mm -hmm. it was not my takeaway i mean i guess i've I've just become jaded enough by like san francisco prices where I, maybe I've just become numb to it, but I, I, I guess I wasn't my thought when I was there. Can, can I clarify my complaint then? It's not like, I don't mind the prices. It's the price. So what, what I got there was like, this was just like, I had nothing to do. And I was like, I, I just want to get out of the house and I want to read for a bit. And I was like, Oh, I'll get a beer and I'll get some pretzels. Cause you, you'd mentioned that those were good. It's the price to portion size. It's, it's not that like, I don't, I don't mind what the bill was as I left, it was just that the, like I like I ordered some eight dollar fries and uh, eleven dollar pretzels, and the serving size was absolutely tiny. That's my complaint, not not the price. Well, and actually, I also ordered uh, a nice sour, which I actually really liked, and the it actually listed on the menu the pour is six ounces for nine dollars. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, I guess as somebody who's been into craft beer for a number of years now, I, I, I've just become numb to that well, but, type but of can, pricing. Too. But you can go to Russian River, and for the same price, you get like a like a, a twelve or a sixteen ounce beer. 
Like, I, I guess that's my... Yeah, it, dep- it depends on what you get there. The the sours at Russian River Brew Co. are, are quite pricey. Yeah, I'd like that. I, I just feel like, then make it, make the price for that beer $12 and make it uh like a 14 ounce. Like th- that's, that's my, that's, that's my beef with it. Like I thought the quality of the food was very good. I actually really liked the sour that I got, but just, it was relative to portion size. It was something that makes me hesitate wanting to go back when overall I like the environment, like the, the dude at the bar was very nice and, and accommodating, um, and like helpful with recommendations. Like it was all good. It was just that like, actually I will send you a picture real quick of the most um make sure this goes in the dm channel no not the picture of giannis all right uh for eight dollars this is a criminally small amount of fries (laughs) like pico which is which is the gold standard for uh bay area food is i think their fries are like six dollars and you get like twice as many and it's also like a top tier fine dining restaurant. I don't know. Like, I feel like they should have like a secret menu where like the prices are 25% more, but all the portions are doubled. I, I, I don't know what the economics are, but like, that's my only complaint. Atmosphere, like service, everything else, very good quality, like very good. It's just, it's just costly or it feels like it's like a 50 bucks a person basically for some food and like a beer and a half is... That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's it's not inexpensive. I I, I won't argue the point. Um, but we at least we can agree on yeah, really good atmosphere. The service was like fantastic when the lady friend and I went. We got there like ten fifteen minutes before our reservation, and you know I just checked in. And I'm like, hey, you know, just want to let you know we're here, but like you know we we know we're early, and they're like, oh yeah, you know your table's not quite ready yet. And we had like four different people over the span of like five minutes apologize for our table not being ready. <laughs> it was just like, no, like I, you know, I, I get that we're here early. Like it's, it's really no problem. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> space. Um, you know, I was in a weird location though, weird location, but, um, you know, I had driven by it periodically as they were kind of building it out over the last year and a half. And it, it's pretty amazing to see what it was and, and what it is now. Um, they, they did a really, really nice job. Um, so you, you sat at the bar, huh? Well, yeah, I was just, I was like a single person. What, what am I, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to, I'm going to take a two or a four top table while so I can just read, um, some, uh, like wonky policy book on my Kindle. Well, I'm kind of just, it's kind of a, it's a leading question just to kind of like check in on sort of like COVID comfort levels. Oh, it was, it was, it was not a busy Sunday mm, and you know. Let science do its work. I'm, like I'm, 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 I'm a cautious person, but I'm also like that. A, a fairly uncrowded restaurant with a lot of well, open air. Like, well, I, ventilated. I don't care. Yeah, that, like, that's, I, I, that is the nice thing about their indoor space in particular is with all the windows. It, it it's almost like you're outside. Yeah, it's like Apple Park. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, no, just because I I forget wasn't I don't know if it was WWC which which year it was, but there was a thing where they have those big ass. Um, uh sliding things like in the cafeteria space where you, you don't know if it like it takes like four minutes for them to close and stuff like that <laughs> anyway like this bumps like, it bumps me out because this could have been a very good regular spot but i just feel like that's like like i i'm looking for and i want like a place in marin to 
Well, like, you can just, like, go invite somebody, like, either go on your own or invite, like, one person to be like, hey, like, this is a good, affordable spot that's not going to be, like, we're going to drop a ton of money, but we can all, like, we can just hang out. And this could have maybe been it, but it's not, not quite for the money. Like, just, you got to give more fries. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it too, like, I don't at least need this to be, like, a, like, an election year, like, what, what does milk and eggs cost? But, like, it, some things should be a staple in the menu and shouldn't be this stingy. Can I ask you another, like, restaurant-related question? Which sure. I don't know if you're going to know the answer, but I don't know. You, you're, plugged in, you're plugged into a lot of different stuff, so mm-hmm. maybe you will. There's something I've noticed with, with restaurants, like, now that I'm actually starting to, to go to them again. Many restaurants which normally take reservations are not currently taking reservations, Pico being one of them. Do you is have any true? idea, like, what the, what, like, the story with that is? I like, you know, I, I, at first I kind of just dismissed it as like, oh, maybe it's just maybe Pico kind of still figuring things out or whatever. But it's like, I mean, Pico has like an, reservations available tomorrow. So, well, they really, oh, wait, it, no, it says on their is, website, they're not taking them. Come on, Google Pico in Boston. Boston's not a real city. Get out of here. Oh my goodness. No, this is bad. Google, uh, Pico Lurksburg Resi. I don't know if it's just maybe just in general, not not just a Pico mm. thing, but like restaurants in general, just not I feeling think, like... I think it's a one, and we will get into it. Um, staffing is a challenge across uh, the entire economy right now. So I feel like they maybe have to adjust where they can just like probably like block off like outdoor seating to uh, accommodate how many mm. actual employees they have. I think that's actually probably a lot of it probably because right now like yeah yeah staffing's challenging uh for that for that type of industry or 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 adjacent industries yeah i think that's probably it and also you will see um a lot of restaurants and businesses will have just like very um like ad hoc hours that can change on 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 a on a dime so Yeah. yeah and i you know like obviously very much interested in a super long overdue pico dinner with you but it's like mm. without a reservation i mean who knows what you're gonna find when you show up and if you know that's like a hour and a half wait sort of like what's plan b <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're not to compromise opsec here but they're they're very close to me so maybe i'll i'll take the okay, long start, way to work or yeah i'll, I'll start, do some recon start scoping that out um ever since because I was always able to do that very easily because there's also an equator coffee that's very near me. But now that I have, uh, you know, the fancy espresso machine, I don't, I don't ever go out for coffee anymore. So, well, it's you know. considering that you spent $15,000 on it, you know, probably minus, minus a zero, but basically accurate. <laughs> uh, well, actually excluding the grinder anyway. <laughs> um, okay. That was a very long item one of four. <laughs> All right. So uh, other, other stuff and trip follow-up. Uh, even in the Midwest, Americans don't know how to use roundabouts and, um, it's like watching a bunch of Teslas on autopilot, uh, almost crash into each other. And it's pretty, <laughs> I don't understand because it's also a thing, uh, like I lived in the East Bay, Berkeley is a fan of roundabouts, um, or traffic circles as Americans call them. Uh, I don't understand why it's so hard for people to know how to use those, but also you'd sometimes think of why Americans don't know how to do the one in one or like the like how to merge properly 
or like some people will just try to think that it's like every man for themselves like no it's just it's you go and then i go and you go and then yeah i mean i'll I'll grant you that it they're not super complicated but if they're just not really something that you deal with regularly i could i could see how it's it's a little jarring maybe like my my roundabout story is when i went to (laughs) uh, oh did you mean for that to be hilarious i guess so Uh, that's um when I when I went to Iceland, um, I rented a car because that's just kind of kind of like when you go to Hawaii. It's just kind of the best way to to get around. Is and Iceland a drive on the left car or a, no 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 no? I drive would, on the left car. Country. No 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 no. I I'm not brave enough to do that. Um, but they did basically not have any intersections. They were they were all roundabouts essentially, like all every everywhere we drove. And we did a f- decent amount of driving the f- couple of days we were there. And it, it just roundabouts as far as the eye can see. Um and you know, at, at first it was a little like, oh okay, yeah, I got to kind of get into this rhythm here. But then once once you do kind of get into that 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 rhythm, you you do see why why they exist because they they do seem to be well, quite a bit more efficient. Yeah, it's like every, it's every, like everything European. Um I I think it's also kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that I don't think Americans know what the what a yield sign means, because that's like eighty percent of using a roundabout. And if you don't right. know what that means, I think that's something that even outside of a, in outside the context of a roundabout, um, is challenging for U.S. drivers. Yeah, we have a we have a yield on the freeway exit that we most commonly use, and, and people have a very hard time with that. It means come to a complete stop, or also don't stop at all, and they get honked at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I also have, uh, this, go, this goes back to, and I don't know if I still have a copy of the menu, but I took a picture of it. Um, after a decade of living in the Bay Area, I have become desensitized to ridiculous prices so much that uh, when I was in Colorado, seeing cocktails that were $9 made me think like, is it was like, is this in metric? Like, did they screw, did they screw the conversion rate? Because like everything here costs, like, you go to you go to some place and you're like it's like oh hey some like this cocktail is sixteen dollars and this whatever like this uh, burrata plate is like forty eight dollars plus your firstborn and you're just like okay thank you this is this is what like life is like in the marina and I don't know I was very very um, surprised that other places have reasonable prices yeah I mean you re- you really notice it when you travel right like I mean places like Denver and portland um new orleans like you know these places that are like really fun great cities um you you i guess i mean maybe it's just because going to restaurants and bars and stuff is is what you do a lot of generally when visiting these cities but like you really notice the the pricing difference there compared to the bay area well yeah things like cocktails and stuff and things but like that i guess that's because like coffee everywhere like if you go to yourself like a fancy coffee shop like uh, a like uh, a cappuccino or a latte it seems to always be like 375 to five dollars everywhere but every other food group or like type of uh, type of dining experience is is there's that 60 percent like mark benioff premium or whatever one i was gonna say too like also like hotels and airfare and stuff like that stuff you know is pretty stable from city to city but but it it is it does it's like the food and stuff yeah where you really see the difference yeah uh and then lastly can you name 
the pro sports teams that are based out of Denver or the greater Denver metro area? I think so. Because I could only name because I could only name one. Yeah, so you have the Colorado Avalanche, who are the <laughs> NHL team. <laughs> okay, you're, you're killing. Me. Okay, you have Sorry. the Denver Broncos, and you have the Colorado Rockies. So you're wrong. Wait, so, okay, so th- this is so interesting and also very frustrating. So one, personally, I only thought there were the Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I because that seems like I, I know I'm more baseball centric. And I don't care about other sports, but oh, and the and the and the did I say the Denver Nuggets? You did not. So okay, well that's so, the NBA team. So I'm driving around and I and I pass something called the Empower Field, and I'm like, who the hell plays there? Does 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 Denver have a soccer team? And apparently that is where the uh, Denver Broncos play, which uh, um, are a professional football team that used to feature John Elway. I American was not aware football. of that. Yeah. Um. I don't know what Empower is. I've literally never heard of Empower Field in my entire life, and that might just be that I don't watch football. I think football. that's a, that must be a relatively recent branding change, because like, that doesn't sound very familiar to me either. It's the same thing where, um, fuck, what was it called? Um, Century, where the Seahawks play. CenturyLink Field, where, like, that that changed in the two times I've been to Seattle, where CenturyLink Field is now called Lumen Field, and I don't know what Lumen is. So yes, and the sports sports arena naming is very complicated. Do do you know? Well, speaking of, so the in the NBA finals just ended. Do you know mm-hmm. what the Phoenix Suns arena is now called? I actually I, didn't know until the playoffs this year. I know what it used to be called, and I think that was a problematic thing we talked about on the show. The Talking Stick Resort Arena. Yeah, I I, I remember uh, uh, not knowing what that was, and it sounded a little bit a little bit maybe not very PC. But but you you clarified that for me. But apparently it's called the Footprint Center. Yeah. <laughs> which, what is that? Is Footprint a company? It must be. Uh, Footprint Center. It's not form- a podcast. Form- <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Footprint Center, formerly America West Arena, U.S. Airway Center, Talking Sick Resort Arena, and Phoenix Sun Arena. Uh, professional sports is bad. Um, <laughs> but no, so, and then there was, again, also, because Denver for some reason has a, like, a water park, like, 50 feet from its downtown, which seems uh, very strange. There's something called Ball Arena. And then it took me a minute to know that uh, Denver oh, that, has a... That used to be the Pepsi Center. Oh, that's why all the signs... Okay. I thought maybe uh, Pepsi was headquartered in Denver because there were a bunch of signs referring to that and it was that, not that called that anymore. Yeah, that must have also... Because I, I I went to a Lakers game there like two oh gosh three years ago maybe and it was it was the pepsi center then so it's in the last couple years that's changed i think so apparently ball arena is based off of the company that makes like mason jars wow like literally um more more money in mason jars than i would have guessed uh yeah and they get a royalty every time somebody names their kid mason which is very popular these days (laughs) uh anyway so and i also did not know that uh denver had had a hockey team so yeah, so I, I I got all of them, didn't I? You did, but that doesn't count because because you're because you're a ringer. Yeah, I am. That's true. All right. Anyway, so that, that was the gist of my follow up. I still have uh, fourteen hundred photos. I have zero interest in editing. So <laughs> see how that goes. All right. I'm trying to avoid talking about Tesla as much as we can. So I have one other detour. Um, but this will be up your alley. So video games. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I stumbled across a very, apparently like a, a secretly famous Reddit thread that involves electronic arts. Okay. Uh, beloved video game maker. Beloved's doing some work in that sentence, but sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. So um, actually, I hope this is the wrong thread. Uh, I'll send you the link. So apparently there's this game called Star Wars Battlefront. Oh yeah, this has kind of been one of their more... <laughs> uh, infamous recent things that they've they've messed up so yeah can you give me they messed up can you give me a 20 second summary of what star wars star wars battlefront is so you're familiar with call of duty no like i'm familiar with the fact that it's a it's it's a first person shooter that's okay. probably violent okay 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 so yeah that but star wars but i this feels like it's a very much uh um my context is is maybe a very outdated reference, but World of Warcraft, like what are those games where the whole point of it is multiplayer? Well, so something like World of Warcraft is a MMO, a massively multiplayer online game where you you pay a monthly fee, you have a persistent character who's kind of part of this persistent world. Whereas something like Battlefront or Call of Duty is more just like, you're just playing these, you know, 10 15 minute matches and you know so you're starting fresh every time yeah starting okay. fresh you know multiple times per play session in many cases yeah whereas like world of warcraft is this is this kind of continuous perpetual thing got it so it's like it's like a permanent kind of online like you remember like the whole second life thing right it's, it's like that but like you know video game form I don't know anything about that game. All I remember is that that was one of those weird ones where like brands were trying to do things inside video games. Oh yeah, it's like but you don't build your, your own house life. and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 that. Yeah, but I guess the context here, and again, I'm still not entirely sure what what the so what is the mechanic? Like, why would somebody play Star Wars Battlefront? Like, is is it that you're fighting people or what, right. like what is what is the the gist of it? Is like Fortnite in that regard? Yeah, sure. Okay, hey, let's let's go with that. Still also not sure what Fortnite is. Um, so apparently the game is like $80 Star Wars Battlefront. It's made by Electronic Arts and somebody made a post on Reddit saying that they paid $80 to have Vader locked. So my, as, as an outsider, my read on, I don't know what those words mean altogether, but I'm going to try to piece it out, which is that this game costs $80 and you cannot play as a very obvious character in the Star Wars universe. Um, that cannot be your character or your skin, maybe question mark. Um, and it is lot. It is put behind. Um, I don't know. Is it called DLC or microtransactions? What's the What's the thing where a game doesn't cost what a game costs? Uh, well, both of the things you said are not wrong, but not not what Battlefront's issue was. Well, I mean, if you paid $80 for a game, which my frame of reference, and again, not a video gamer, don't like video games, is that top tier or like AAA games cost $60? Is that, is that am I behind on inflation? You you are behind on inflation. So I really? think the, yeah, so I think PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X games are now 70 Jeez. So it was it was fifty like in the Xbox PS 
three era and then that kind of worked its way up to 60 the last generation and now is is up to 70 in a lot of cases and i think to to just clarify one thing with battlefront 80 dollars was i think a premium version of the game that (laughs) that had some some stuff that the base version didn't because i I think this was a like traditional 50 60 dollar game so let's see if that's even in the context of this thread, that's even worse. Or you, you buy the nice version of the game and you still can't play as the notorious uh, bad dude. Well, so now now you're yeah, now you're you're getting closer to the issue here. So anyway, so, so back to the thread. So uh the per the person um posted MBM Maverick posted, seriously, I paid eighty dollars to have Vader locked. So then apparently um some some intern or some somebody at um electronic arts uh from the from the company account uh replied and this is i will clarify for you um this the reason i came across this is this is known as the by far the most downvoted comment in reddit history amassing 668,000 negative votes which is the ea community team replied to this person wondering why they can't play as um one darth vader the intent is to provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes. So you pay $80 for a game and you have to pay more to unlock uh, one of the most obvious characters in it. Um, well, sort of. But what, sort why would you not want to play as um, the bad dude who works for AT&T? Well, so so here, here's, here's the thing with, with Battlefront and sort of the whole kind of issue this game really, I think, brought to light, which has been an issue for a while, but Battlefront became kind of the highest profile example of this. So I've got to give you a, a, a new term, which I, I, I don't think you're going to be familiar with. Have you heard of loot boxes? I am familiar with loot crates. Oh, you betcha! Like, okay. I, yeah, my, 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 I, I get loot crates all the time on my PUBG. <laughs> okay, that, so actually, maybe I'm maybe I'm not giving you enough credit here. I know that loot crates are like bullshit in-app purchases where some game maker will try to sell a tween who somehow has whose parents didn't figure out how to turn on uh, family sharing to ask for purchases, and hope that the kid spends twenty dollars on the chance to get some random in-game crap is that correct exactly yeah so i think battle battlefront's issue was that you could unlock darth vader as an example just by playing the game for like 300 hours right but the the number of hours you'd have to play to earn i guess it's like the number of credits or whatever their kind of in-game currency was i mean credits are kind of a star wars thing so i i assume that's what what it was it, yeah, it would take you some crazy amount of time. Alternatively, you could pay EA money just to, you know, buy credits or to buy these loot boxes where you'd have sort of a, you know, random chance of potentially getting Vader or some other character that you wanted to. And the thing that really got people about Battlefront in particular, which I think this thread gets into is that the the prices that they were asking for buying additional in-game currency or their version of loot boxes were just astronomically high um 
And on top of that, it was also not a very good game. So that, that didn't help their cause either. Um, which pains me to say, because I, I remember being very excited when this game came out and, you know, bought it and played it a couple of times and was like, oh yeah, this is, this is not very good. Um, but it, it has actually, it was kind of the catalyst for, um, a conversation around loot boxes and kind of the, you know, kind of, dangerous similarity they have to just basically straight up gambling which you know <laughs> we pretend to have a problem with at least in certain parts with certain people so um so yeah this is it, this was a kind of an interesting um an interesting game in uh video game history for not the right reasons so you provided me some interesting con or so some helpful context here because there was also another part of the story was that somebody made a mod for the game where I just sent you a link to a picture where apparently they reskinned the loot crate to have the words pride and accomplishment on it, which seems pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what get more crystals means, but I'm going to command W on that. Cause I think crystals probably means it costs me money and lowers my FICO score. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, what else do we have before we talk about Tesla for 39 minutes? Uh, oh, yeah, we, we talked about So Dropbox last week, this is a quasi-chef special. Uh, upon further investigation, this is actually now a setting that you can turn on or off in iOS or inside the iOS app. So that implies that this was not an accident. Um, and that's super great. And um, yeah, again, going back to last week, people should go to the Finder settings and pin folders to the top because it'll make your computing life easier. And it's great. Um, I actually had a couple of other quick video game things. Oh, sorry. Please, please. Uh, I, I actually, I'm going to cautiously say please do because I don't know what this means. <laughs> I think I think you'll find some level of interest in in these things. Um, this is kind of old news now, but it happened when we took our little summer break, and then we didn't get to it last week. Uh, but there was a new Nintendo Switch model announced. This was yeah. like back on July 6th, so yeah, a little while ago now. Um, it's been, been a lot of speculation about a next generation switch. Nintendo's kind of famous for coming out with newer versions of their hardware over the course of its life cycle. And so people have been kind of excited to see what they were going to do like, with the switch. Didn't, didn't the Wii get like a 720p version when the first one was like composite video or something? I don't know if the Wii ever got a speed bump. They kind of instead just went to the Wii U. Oh, okay. Which was kind of was was technically a different console, but anyway, mm -hmm. um, like a, a better example would be sort of like there was the original DS, and then there was like the DS Lite, which was like a dramatically revised piece of hardware that was you know universally considered to be a lot better than the original model. Was the 3DS something entirely different? It's, and then, then later came the 3DS, and people were into that too. Yeah. Um. So this this new version of the um, Switch, whose official name is Nintendo Switch, and then in parentheses, OLED model. And model is not capitalized. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's like Nintendo Switch Taylor's version. And, and, you know, so again, there was a lot of speculation leading up to this. There was some Bloomberg reporting indicating that this thing would have you know, a faster processor, maybe even be capable of 4K to kind of bring it more in line with the latest Xbox and PlayStation. But 
when Nintendo announced this, they made no mention of that. All they talked about was the screen, which is a little bit bigger and is is OLED instead of LCD. And then the dock has a couple little upgrades, including like a built-in Ethernet port. I think it's a little bit different shaped. Um, and so The Verge, whose article that we'll put in the notes, they reached out to Nintendo and were like, hey, like, just want to confirm that, like, you know, there's there's nothing else that's different about this thing. And the response they got back was, Nintendo Switch OLED model does not have a new CPU or more RAM from previous Nintendo Switch models. So it's it's literally just the same same thing with a different screen. Um, and the, the kind of the main reason I wanted to mention this, which I think is kind of the, the most interesting part of this whole thing, is that this seems very clearly a um, kind of a, a consequence of the chip shortage that the whole kind of consumer electronics industry is experiencing right now. Because I, I just cannot possibly imagine that a couple of years ago when Nintendo was mapping out what future versions of the Switch was going to be, that their next version was going to be the Nintendo Switch parentheses OLED model. Like, I, I really do think that they probably had some visions of this thing having like, um, what is it? I think this, I think the switch uses like, it's called the, um, Nvidia Tegra chip or something. Like I, I have to imagine that they envisioned this thing having like the next generation of that chip and, and maybe be capable of, of something like native 4k games. Um, but they've, they weren't able to do that. And I, I, I really think that this is a, a kind of a stark example well, of, of the chip shortage. Well, qu- a quick clarifying question for a non-gamer. What's the, because my understanding has always been that like one of the advantages of a console is that the gameplay performance, like there's no variability. Like it's not like somebody can have a better PC where. Oh no, that's, that's completely. No, that's, that's completely not true anymore. So a switch console. game is no longer a switch game. Well, actually, it is basically still true for Nintendo consoles, but but on the Xbox and PlayStation side, they've they've kind of gone full PC now, where games have different graphical settings that you can run them at, which results in different performance. I mean, the Xbox also has different hardware that they've come out with right out of the gate. There's the Series S and the Series X, which have different processors and different graphical capabilities so no that that's that stuff's all gone kind of the direction of of pc gaming now hmm. yeah and, and then i especially i brought this up to you in in the offline offline and an, not offline offline that would be very much not on the internet uh online offline channel which was that somebody made a joke on twitter and maybe i just misunderstood it where um you clarified that they were saying that like the new version is still limited to 10 frames per second I was like, is that really true? But you were, you mentioned that that was probably just a joke about the fact that um, graphics performance is not a high priority on the Switch. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the people like the Switch, the the native Nintendo games are generally really good and and run pretty well. Um, although some of those have issues too, but but most of them are pretty good. Where the Switch really kind of gets into trouble are games that come out cross platforms like a game that comes out for the xbox the playstation and the switch in a lot of cases the switch version doesn't look as nice 
doesn't run nearly as well. Um, and so that's where you kind of get these these performance complaints that I think the joke that you mentioned is is referring to. Do you own a Switch? I do. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Or are you happy you own it? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool device. When was the last time you turned it on? Well, I mean, as a <laughs> oh, that was a, as a, that's new, a pretty telling. Well, yeah, as a <laughs> as a as a new dad who. You know, oh, that's okay. Throw, a, throw, throwing the housemate under the bus, jeez. <laughs> uh, who you know stays busy at work and all that stuff. It's there's not a lot of time in the day for for stuff like the the switch. Oh, it's time of the day for other stuff though. <clears throat> okay, all right. What other video game stuff do you have? So the only other one that I had was um, the Steam Deck. Oh which, yeah. Um, I kind of mostly want to mention just because it's a it's a it's seemingly a really really cool piece of hardware. Like it really is. It it you know it's strikingly similar to the Switch, sort of in terms of its form factor. Well, it's a gamer Switch. Yeah, like it, but it's it's a, it's an actual like PC. So can um, I can I ask? Who, give me the twenty second sales pitch. Who is this for? Uh, this 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 is really for people who like the idea of handheld portable gaming, which you know I think the Switch has proven there's very much an appetite for that. But for people who want to be able to do that and um, do so with um, much more powerful hardware, and also like Steam is is it's kind of amazing. After God, it's been around since. 15 whenever years half-life ago? 2 came out like yeah 15 years ago something something around there and i mean people still generally really really like that platform and a lot of people exclusively buy pc games on steam so people have these you know huge steam libraries and i don't think there's been any other portable device like this which can can natively play steam games like there there's stuff like the nvidia shield where you can stream games to a portable device but the you know the games are actually running either on your own hardware or like somewhere in the cloud but this is something that can actually run those games natively which is pretty novel will this succeed it's really it's hard to say i mean they're they're making a lot of really big promises here like, I mean, their website is very explicit about being able to, I mean, this is a quote right on their, their hardware page. Um, the device has more than enough performance to run the latest AAA games in a very efficient power envelope, which, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not putting any kind of limitations on this thing. Like the, the quote that I was struck by when I first started reading about this was that, you know, there weren't going to be any Steam games that were excluded from this because this, the Steam library is kind of complicated in some cases where, like, there's obviously the games that run on Windows, but then there's also, like, Steam OS, which is like a Linux thing. And I think there are some games that maybe only run in that. And then there's you've got, like, Mac games on there. Um, <laughs> All two of them. <laughs> But uh, although I don't know, I don't know if Steam 
I don't know if they sell games that are exclusive to the Mac or if, if you have a game that runs on the Mac. I think it may also have to run on other platforms. But whatever the case there is, like, you know, Valve's promise here is that you can run all Steam games on this hardware. And I, I immediately was like, well, how the heck is it going to run like Windows games? Because, I mean, certainly this thing is not running Windows. And this this um, Verge article, which will also be in the notes, says that it's running a new version of SteamOS that's that's optimized for its handheld mobile factor, blah, blah, blah. But the actual OS is based on Linux and will use Proton as a compatibility layer to allow Windows-based games to run without requiring that developer specifically port them for the Steam Deck. Like, that's that's pretty cool. But I just, like... I just have a lot of questions around this type of device's hardware being able to actually effectively emulate a, a Windows game and have it run at any kind of decent frame rate. Well, so 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 two questions from an outsider: Wasn't there a thing called the Invis- in, in, in Nvidia Shield? Yeah, so I, me- I mentioned what, that. What is that? I, I mentioned that a minute ago. That that has sort of been the only other type of device that's semi-similar to this but the the big difference between this and the shield is that the shield doesn't really have much to it like it's it's not running games itself it's just a mirrored display basically oh so so So, was that was that the device that streamed all like games off your pc around your house yeah exactly so so you can so you can stream games from your own hardware like when you're on your own wi-fi or i think nvidia has like one of those cloud gaming services now where you can you know stream games that are running in some you know data center somewhere Um, but it, it it's not running games natively itself and that's that's what's novel about the steam deck is that it can do both it it can do the nvidia shield thing and stream games you know simply from your own pc but it can also run games well allegedly can run games natively on its own in a manner similar to your pc which you know just i mean i don't know like i this thing looks it just has someone who's interested in cool consumer technology like i think this looks really 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 neat but i so this is coming out like later this year like i could totally see just a bunch of reviews when this thing comes out that's like yeah you know it's cool but like games run at like 15 frames a second and the battery lasts like two hours well so why isn't this just another ouya well because it has valve behind it who you know generally does does write by video games although they they've had a little bit of a up and down track record with hardware um but but generally speaking, they're one of the more liked companies, I think, in, in video games. So their they're kind of resources being behind this thing, I think, is what in large part makes it different. And then how much does this cost? Uh what is what is this thing here? So there's um I think there's basically just you know, there's basically just one version of it, but then you can choose from or what's what's Different. the starting price point? So the starting point is three ninety nine. So it's kind of actually so it's right. What's that? That seems kind of disingenuous, right? Because like, I don't know much about games, but sixty four gigs of memory plus the operating system 
that hold that holds one game. Well, that's yeah. They're, that's the, that's pe- people were generally kind of positive about this thing, but that the storage thing kind of much in like an i you know free iCloud storage tier kind of way. People kind of were looking at that going, yeah. like, uh, come on, that's that's not really practical for anything. So, so this starts at five fifty basically. Um, and also, I I actually didn't notice this before, but I guess the more expensive versions there's a 256 and a 512 version and those versions have a faster um a faster hard drive built into them they have one of the nvme ssds yeah which which is also what my what my pc has don't ask me what that stands for but um they're kind of they're kind of they're they're cool they just look like basically like a pack of gum um it's kind of it's kind of neat um almost looks like they they look sort of like an elongated um remember like when you could replace ram in a laptop it's kind of kind of like that we still can't on pcs just gotta use windows <laughs> true. true um but that so i mean actually though that's also what makes me skeptical of this device is that even like let's take like the middle price, like the two fifty six, which is which is two hundred or uh, five hundred and twenty nine dollars. Like, you know, like like a good like a good solid kind of mid range PC, which like you build yourself, is you know it's a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks. So it's it's just sort of unclear to me how a five hundred dollar portable device is going to somehow allegedly run the same types of games that uh you know that would normally take a thousand dollar pc i just i don't know the the whole i i hope it all works out i think it looks really 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 cool i'm just like i would just want to see the reviews on this thing before i bought one i mean it doesn't have to run all the stuff that makes excel work i mean this is I, i i think i think there's plenty of overhead here um but i you know you'll have plenty of time to read reviews because this thing people got real excited when this thing went um on pre-sale last week or the week before and if you put in an order now you're not going to get this thing for like a year it's q2 2022 so do you order one i did not no do you want one i so if 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 this thing actually does what Valve says it can do, then yeah, I think this would be really, really cool. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I need to see, I need to see the Verge's review that actually says that this thing does what it claims to do. All right. So I just, I jumped in my time machine and I just got out of it. And this thing in eighteen months has been a failure. Just FYI. That, I, I, yeah, no I mean, way this that, works. That's that's. That's how I feel about it too. Like I, I, my money would be on this thing not being like a complete disaster or anything, but aren't I could see there being just a lot of disappointment around things like performance and battery life, and I I, I don't know. Like to me, to me, this whole thing just seems like they're just they're making a lot of promises that it doesn't even seem like they necessarily needed to like they it seems like they could have framed this thing as being a much more modest device but that's that's not what they chose to do yeah and and no offense but aren't video gamers some of the like most difficult to please people 
Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. This, and well, then and like the also like, like I actually did but... I didn't realize this too, but like it, it, there's a dock they're going to be selling, which you know the <laughs> like the website switch. here, yeah, yeah, like insinuates that you can just you know hook up to a monitor and just you know basically play PC games, which again like brings me back to my point of like. It's it's just unclear to me how a $500 device with a high-end mobile processor is going to be able to run games in the way that a, you know, $1,200 big PC can. I just, I, I don't know, something just doesn't quite add up there. But hey, it's, it's, all, uh, it's all USB-C, so um, it's got that going <laughs> for it at least. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy, uh, buy a Playdate instead. <laughs> no, I'm not buying that either. Uh, yeah, interesting. I'm glad. I'm happy people are trying, but also, like, I don't know. Again, to round this out, like, it feels like people are either going to be smartphone gamers or they're going to be they're going to be PC gamers. Like, I I can't think of the addressable market of people that actually care about this. Like, well, I, I mean, it, it, shoot, it, it, like it, a like a de- a device that actually does everything that they're saying this thing can do. Where like. If this little mini device could both replace your huge desktop computer for games, but you, but you and also, well, I that, I know that that's my skepticism. But like a device that could do that, actually, I think would be really compelling for a lot of reasons. Like, I mean, not having this huge tower on your desk, like I do, as an example. Like, hey, that'd be cool, and like being able just to pick it up and take it with you anywhere. Yeah, sure, that sounds great. But, but, but. Won't I mean like yeah. I, I'm I'm sure Flight Sim fits on a 64 gig memory card, <laughs> whatever eMMC means, which I which I assume like from like from an outsider perspective means space like an SD card, I guess. Yeah, maybe I, I'm yeah, not. I'm not no really sure. Good. All right, yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm very very excited for this thing to come out and to see what all it's capable of. You're excited for it to exist and for other people to buy it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I apologize to everybody for having to listen to video game talk for 30 minutes, but now we have exciting EV talk. Mm, yes. Oh, well, actually, oh, we actually do. Because I was going to say, we forgot one thing in our, or two things in follow up, but actually, I do think, I don't think Apple is going to try to release a gas powered car. So I think that counts as an EV. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Mark Gurman, uh, who has a new newsletter called Power On, has talked about has a, has a scoop about um, there may be um, what is this? Oh, I'm, I'm not used to this uh, because it's a newsletter. I was like, why is why is he talking about being excited about the NBA? Um, I'm just getting over the Lakers playoff loss. That was like a month ago. Okay, longer ago than that. Yeah. Anyway, Mark. Um, oh, it's because it's from June 27th. Okay. Uh, so Apple allegedly may release, uh, larger iPads beyond the 12.9 model. Meh, snooze. Again, we heard last week that you are very, very much on board with iPad as productivity and multitasking maven. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wasn't that your review? I think that's, a, I don't, I'm not even joking. Weren't you very, very, very positive about it? I made it a, a chef special, and yeah. I said it was a, a a marked improvement over what was there before. But I caveated that by saying that you know the bar was was quite low. A chef special is literally the highest honor that could be bestowed on any concept, idea, or product. 
Nah, we've we've thrown we've thrown that term around pretty we quickly all, over the maybe, years. Maybe you, jeez. Um, sanctity of the show. Anyway, uh, but apparently, uh, Kevin Lynch, um, who longtime listeners will know is is one of our favorite Apple employees, mm-hmm. who's the uh, vaguely awkward dude who talks about the Apple Watch a bunch, which again, as as nerds, speaks speaks to our whole thing. Speaks our language, yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently, he is going to join the Apple Car team. Um, which I, I like. Honestly, I didn't read a whole lot beyond the headline. Um, that's cool. Like again, like I mean, he's, he's a cool, dude. And I, I have made my opinions known about why Apple venturing out into trying to make a car is um, silly and unnecessary. But I also said that about the TV. And uh, Ted Lasso season two comes out Friday, so who even knows anymore? <laughs> so anyway, Kevin Lynch is cool. I don't know if you have anything else about this. Um, I mean, so I, you know, I don't follow like Apple executives to the gr- to the degree that you know many do, but um, Kevin Lynch is sort of like the first sort of semi you know public personality executive that's been associated with this car project that at least that i can remember it's previous to that it's just been kind of a bunch of names i don't recognize so i don't know that's that's sort of interesting yeah and there's clearly i mean there's obviously like i mean obviously apple's working on a car but it's just it's just interesting to think of like what that what that even is like I mean, obviously, there's been you know a bunch of rumors over the last year in particular around them basically building kind of like the tech, but then sort of like farming out the production of the car to there's been a few different brands that have been wasn't like Kia or something rumored for a while and and some others. I I don't know. It's it's very um very it'll be very interesting to see what if anything comes from the whole car thing. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but it, even if, even if Apple does come out with a car, it's going to be $130,000 and not be something that any of us can afford. So there's that too. Yeah. I mean, well, you can always buy the Apple car sport and that's going to have one with, <laughs> um, the whole side of the car is going to be rubber, um, and made out of floral elastomer. Can I buy like third party wheels or something to bring the cost down to? I'm not really a car person. I don't know what else to refer to. No, but it does require a $1,500 upgrade to pay for fake self-driving. Nice. Yeah. Tesla, fr- fr- friend of the Bay Area. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. So it's going to be a Tesla-heavy segment, and then we're going we're gonna to run away. So, actually, you're the Tesla owner, so therefore you, like all Tesla owners, it, it is incumbent on yourself to defend uh, your, your your CEO. So can you give me a rundown on what uh, what's just, what it, what is the Tesla news this week? So, well, there's a lot of it. We can start with um, this this whole, the whole kind of continuing car wreck that is the full self-driving system rollout. Car wreck? <laughs> hmm. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of different stories here. So I guess we'll we'll start with the one that's sort of like, I guess, not I don't really personally 
relate to this a ton because it's not like I'm going to go out and buy full self-driving, but like it, it does specifically relate to something that's unique about my Model 3, which we, which we actually kind of mentioned a couple times on the show, which is um, my car has autopilot hardware version 2 in it. And some number of months, maybe like a year after I bought my car, they came out with autopilot hardware version three. And the way that it's worked is that if you buy the full self-driving package or have previously bought it and you have a car with one of these older iterations of the hardware, you can make an appointment at a Tesla service center and they'll, you know, upgrade the hardware for you at, at no cost. Um, the other thing that's been happening over the last year or so is that there's been this rumor that Tesla was going to make the full self-driving package available on a subscription basis. So instead of having to pay anywhere between like five and $10,000 for the full self-driving package, you'd be able to pay some monthly fee to kind of like try it out. And I've, I've been really curious what they were going to do for Tesla owners like me who have a car that was purchased prior to them putting this new hardware in. Like I, I was, I, I was very skeptical of the idea, which has proven out to be true that Tesla was just going to upgrade your car to the latest autopilot hardware if you paid for one month of the subscription service so quick clarifying question i could have sworn that there was a thing like where like as of like 2018 tesla was saying like every car we ship includes all necessary sensors and everything where just fsd is available to everybody whether well, you buy this, it or not this this right? is this is this is the problem yeah so there, well, this, this, it, this flies in the face of that this means that's not true it it does yeah so the so this electric article that we'll put in the notes is is specifically around this topic which is tesla kind of famously put out a, a blog post which I, I remember when this came out this was like late 2016 where the headline is all tesla cars being produced now have full self-driving hardware and you know that ended up not being true tesla did end up realizing a couple of years later that they were going to need to rev the um internal processor that that handles all the kind of autopilot stuff in order to be able to further their self-driving tech and you know it's it's been a non-issue up to this point because like i was saying you know if if you were someone who bought the full self-driving package which you know if you don't buy the full self-driving package what does it really matter to you but if you do buy the full self-driving package tesla has been upgrading that that processor for you at, at no cost but then the, the the issue here is with the subscription piece, where if you are someone like me who has a Tesla car that doesn't have this latest hardware in it and you want to subscribe to this full self-driving thing, you have to pay to have the latest autopilot hardware installed into your car. And when this came out a few days ago, Tesla was asking $1,500 for it. They've since reduced that to a thousand dollars, but it doesn't change the the problem here, which which you first raised, which is that it, the 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 car does not have, or the car you know that I bought did not have full self driving hardware as Tesla was promising it. But it, it but it ties into kind of the the larger thing that's been happening with full self driving, which is 
you know, Tesla put out what they had been teasing forever um, around their kind of full self-driving beta, um, saying that this was going to be like some big release and it was going to be this big step forward. And, you know, the the reviews of it for people who have it have indicated that it just it's still just not really anywhere close to where it needs to be. And then there's been this whole con- consumer reports thing that's come out really detailing the the major flaws in it. And it's just sort of like, it's all under this umbrella that you and I were talking online, offline about just how like, it just, all this doesn't seem sustainable. Like something just seems like it's going to come to a head where there's going to be some state DMV that steps in, or there's going to be I mean, I obviously hope this isn't the case, but there's going to be some terrible accident that's going to get a lot of publicity. Like, it just it just feels like we're headed towards some kind of reckoning with this full self driving rollout that doesn't that doesn't end with it just all of a sudden working one day. Well, so, I mean, I, I feel like that <clears throat> transitions to a, a much more substantive topic, which, so, I mean, so, yeah, so the, there's the pricing considerations, but then there's also the fact that FSD version beta version nine or whatever just came out. And there was, um, I think it's the last link in our show notes, which is Consumer Reports had an article about, um, more about just kind of the, like the, the, Ethics and liability considerations going, like kind of going hand in hand with what you're saying of how the fact that this software is one thousand percent not fully baked at all, and there was I separately linked to a YouTube video which was uh, which originated from the Consumer Reports article of somebody, and this was inside San Francisco, so it's um, streets we're fairly familiar with. Um, where it was like a, an 11 minute um, example drive with it. And I think on at least three separate occasions, the car did something that would have caused it to crash basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not great. Um, and my like issue is that like, it's not a new take, but that nobody else is volunteering to beta test Tesla. Like, so when when, you, when you're on the road, let's 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 say you were a less responsible person, and let's say your car did have the necessary hardware for it, and you had fifteen hundred dollars burning a hole in your pocket, and you decided you didn't want three Steam decks, and you decided you want to waste money on that, you you got that. If I happen to be going from, uh, like dri- driving back from like Santa Rosa and, and I'm near you and you decided that you wanted to have your autopilot take over and try to self-drive itself, like why am I required to be part of this unregulated, unsupervised beta test where like, I, I feel like even beyond like just your concern that there may be like a regulatory hammer that drops on this fairly soon. Like there, there is like a strong, like ethical and liability question of like, why does everybody else have to like, sure. We take the risk of like somebody behind you or around you in traffic is, is tired or distracted or, or is eating something. But like that, that's 
I feel like human error is very different than somebody actively making a choice to let experimental software drive for them, especially software that kind of verifiably proven doesn't doesn't respond well and will frequently do the wrong thing. Like I I just don't know how that how much longer that can stand and I know I like I like I know California government doesn't run very quickly or efficiently but how is how is this still legal? Well, and there's there's an article in the um Consumer Reports article that'll be in the notes that that really gets at this, which is, um, where is this here? Um, Tesla's approach to testing software on public roads without any driver monitoring makes the automaker a lone wolf in what is otherwise considered a safe industry. The rest of the industry says, we want to get it right. We want confidence from the general public. We want regulators to be partners. So far, getting it right has meant the use of trained safety drivers and closed test courses to validate vehicle software before testing on public roads, um, um, which, you know, I mean, that is just Tesla's gone, you know, completely the um, the opposite way. Um, and it's it's just it's just it's 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 really, really dangerous. Yeah, uh, people people should really watch that video. It's it's yeah. I I know we've gotten less bullish over time about self driving cars, but this and there's the the mm-hmm. the the section I was pulling from in this Consumer Reports article was um, kind of some quotes from Salika Josiah Talbot, um, who has a lot of. <laughs> a lot of really good quotes throughout this article, including um, saying that the videos that she's seen makes the Tesla look almost like a drunk driver struggling to stay between lane lines. It's meandering to the left. It's meandering to the right. While its right-hand turns appear to be fairly solid, the left-hand turns are almost wild. Well, yeah. Um. I mean, there, there's, 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 I mean, there's so many different problems with this. Like the, the fact that this is being done on public roads mm-hmm. and has been for some time now, like this full self-driving beta has been out since I think kind of like the end of last year. And the fact that there hasn't been a government regulator that stepped in is, is really, really surprising to me and, and and really disappointing and then the other thing which is just which i think really really makes this extra dangerous is that th- the software is in such a state where it, it you think you really do have to be willing and able to take over like in a split second like i mean this consumer reports article talks about how and I guess it's in one of these the YouTube video that it links to like it like at one point like almost just runs directly into a parked car, mm-hmm. and having a driver assistance system that is constantly just on the t- you know on the edge of failing 
is just like the worst of all worlds where it's not really a driver convenience thing and it can create sort of a false sense of security well where it's yeah it's just it's, it's a mess but it's also kind of a toy right well i mean cars isn't isn't, are, isn't, isn't that how most or a substantial portion of tesla owners treat it well i i mean and I, I don't i don't mean you at all but i'm like there's there's definitely a tesla fan base who very much thinks that they own and are sitting inside of a fanciful full-size rc car yeah i mean i, I think that's a it's a vocal obnoxious minority but yeah sure they're they're out there yeah Oh, what is this? Tesla autopilot <laughs> that makes this car safer. Oh, yeah, this is this is an older article, but yeah. Oh, wait. No, actually, it's not. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure we have a whole lot to add for this, but this... Yeah, this... For for a very regulation-happy state that we live in, I yeah, I, I, I concur with... I have no idea how um, all this continues. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it just it just doesn't it doesn't seem sustainable on on the path that it's on. I mean, there's there's another another good quote here. It's a very Silicon Valley ethos to get your software eighty percent of the way there and then release it and let your users figure out the problems. Maybe that's okay for your cell phone, but it's not okay for a safety critical system. Yeah. That's like the old saying: move, cra- move fast, and crash into things. Yeah, <sighs> it's it's um, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the yeah the main point here is what we've said a couple of times, which is it just it just seems like we're on a path for for something bad to happen here. Um, well, and 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 that's like, and I have a concern about like, I, there's just like as we move to more and more driver assistance systems, even for uh, manufacturers that that are. Um, uh, much less um uh like morally and ethically dubious than tesla that tends to oh, dramatically overpromise on what their cars can deliver i also think like this goes to like as as more and more driver assistance features are added into like just like regular cars that aren't making those like it drives itself promises i i am worried about what um uh how dangerous roads are going to get as more people tend to just think that the car will do some degree of driving for them versus just like the standard like lane keeping and like making sure you don't like drift out of your lane or blind spot assistance like we're getting into this weird area where the technology is very 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 far away from being able to be completely autonomous and as we get closer to that I I just don't trust like our fellow Californian to use that technology responsibly. And when you have companies of questionable ethics and also who are like led by somebody who has kind of a a, a questionable relationship with the truth, uh, that's just, it's, it's going to end badly. I don't know. No. All right. Do we have any other Tesla stuff that we didn't talk about? What's the smart shift? Um, Oh, actually, yeah, there there are a couple of other quick hitting things that are, I guess, also not great, but at least a bit more lighthearted. Um, so 
this this smart shift thing um i'm actually i actually didn't drop this in the notes for the reason that may be obvious but well i guess we'll start with like the background here so you know tesla got rid of the the driving stock which in all previous teslas has been used to um shift kind of the you know the driving modes that it's been in between like reverse neutral park drive etc um and they've moved that stuff to to touch buttons on the new model s and model x and one of the ways tesla justified doing that was that they in those new cars have this like smart shift system where based on where you are and and what the cameras can see and some other factors i guess it will try and just guess which drive mode you want to be in and will shift automatically for you um and that that smart shift mode is going to be coming as a software update to um model 3s and model Ys which you know as someone who has no interest in this feature that in and of itself I don't really give much of a thought to but the thing that caught my attention here is that this is this feature is going to be only rolled out to people who have bought the full self-driving package. And what that's leading me to think now is that essentially all kind of meaningful future software updates are going to be artificially kind of paywalled behind the full self-driving package. Even ones like this, which don't really have much to do with full self-driving, and so there, there's totally going to come a day where there actually is some cool new software feature that I'm that you know is going to roll out to Model Threes that I would want that's going to be locked behind the full self-driving package, and I, I can already feel myself being irritated by that. Yeah, yeah, this kind of feels like a services revenue push like similar to the Apple thing where like if you've already sold the car or if you've already got like a captive audience, I mean, they're going to, they're going to keep doing that. And if, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say if there's like frivolous features, like the summon feature, but that one's all is also actually equally dangerous in a lot of ways. I had, that's, mm-hmm. that was a good analogy. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of like, kind of like the, to make a, a completely inapt comparison. Um, so like a lot of the stuff that they're doing similar to the, the, like the, what's, what is it? The, 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 like cockpit, the, the yoke steering wheel or whatever. Uh-huh. It feels like kind of like the Safari 15 thing. We're just trying to reinvent stuff that doesn't need to be real. Like that's, that's not the problem. That's not stuff that really needs to be changed. It's fairly, it's an inappropriate level of stasis. Like it's just not, not necessary, but whatever. I, I, I don't think cars need to hopefully guess correctly enough whether or not they should be in reverse because they're coming out of a garage yeah yeah um and and then so then the last bit of quick tesla news is um they've confirmed that they're going to open up um their supercharger network to other evs other non-tesla evs and it'll be interesting to see what that ends up looking like um for a couple different reasons like one is that you know tesla kind of famously has their own um charging connector 
and doesn't follow any of the other standards that most of the other EV manufacturers do. And so they're going to have to come out with some kind of adapter and it'll be interesting to see how much that costs. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, a, a complaint often with the supercharger network is even though they've, you know, quite rapidly built out the capacity of it, given the volume of cars that they're shipping these days. I and mean, I think they just crossed like 200,000 delivered cars this last quarter. The, you know, the complaint is that a lot of these supercharger networks can have some pretty significant weights at them. Like I think I even talked about on that that road trip that we took in May, like we got lucky at a supercharger where we kind of just pulled into the last spot, but then kind of, you know, there were some other cars that then ended up having to wait. And this was like in Burbank on like a random Thursday. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see if capacity is already a problem with just the existing Tesla fleet, what that's going to end up looking like when, you know, you've got other EVs that want to use the stations too. Well, I'm sure the Tesla owners will be very nice to people with Nissan Leafs. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then to round out the show, uh, we have another German tidbit scoop. Not sure. The refresh, because when the, when the M1 came out and the, the Apple Silicon transition happened, they released a MacBook Air and a Mac in a 13-inch MacBook Pro, but those were basically just reusing existing designs and just thro throwing an ARM chip based in there. Um, but yeah, the more substantive redesign of the uh, MacBook Pro line, which is going to move to a 14 and a 16-inch screen size, um, it seems like that is now going to be uh, a September to November release. And um, it is allegedly going to feature a similar mini LED display, similar to what is available in the 2021 12.9-inch iPad. So, neat, question mark. I mean, I, I, I don't... I've never actually like my, my like it, as somebody who like has an interest in photography. My my complaint has always been like color accuracy, not brightness. I'm not sure people like a lot of people who really care about brightness on a laptop. But I mean, wh whatever makes the um, the Mac Pro the more the proiest of devices, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. So this is the you know this will also have like an M1X. German calls it. Um... I think this is also going to end up being the device that brings back some ports, like an SD card slot, maybe an HDMI port, MagSafe, um, and gets rid of the touch bar. Um, so kind of bringing the design back to, you know, what Apple laptops kind of used to be. Um, is is this like an, is this an instant buy for you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of figured it would be. Because, I mean, it, it's like, it seems like it's going to be really good. Like, it seems like yeah. this is going to be just kind of a fantastic device. Because you'd be really hard-pressed to find a whole lot of complaints about the M1 laptops that have come out. So if, if this is just a higher-end version of one of those with an even better processor... And, you know, all the other niceties around, like, the screen and the ports. Like, I mean, that that seems like kind of a perfect laptop. 
Yeah, and one thing that I've I've been discovering recently is just like the the screen quality, like the 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 13-inch MacBook Pro, I don't know how it is because you've got a 16, right? I do. Yeah. Like the screen on the thir- on the the 13-inch point the 13.3 is Wait, no, I don't I don't have a no, I don't have a 16-inch. I have a 15-inch. I don't have the 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 redesign that they came out with. But you but you overall still the big one. The yeah, biggest yeah, at the, the time. Correct. Yeah. The the thirteen point three, the screen quality on it's really bad. Like the the color reproduction is, is objectively terrible. So that's the only thing. Like I, like I mean, I, I want an ARM laptop, but I also kind of like I I don't want to run Big Sur, and I, it sounds like Monterey is still kind of a mess too. Like I, that that part doesn't interest me, but but the screen quality on the um. On 13 inch stinks. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an instant buy. I, I don't really know. Like, I mean, like, but like the reviews have been very much like there's not really any downsides to it. Like, it's quieter, it's cooler, it's um, performance because of the um, uh, like uh, Ross, I don't know what the term is, but the thing where uh, ARM based processors are able to more quickly respond to critical tasks uh which makes the machine feel much faster even if the processing power isn't like dramatically different than an intel processor but the like quality of service for like cpu level tasks is is better like yeah i mean i i i want it but i i don't know i'm I'm happy it's gonna be a later fall release i don't i don't like i bought the revised mac pro when they finally removed the the lousy ass keyboard but so I would like to get more than a year out of my current computer. So I, I'm not in a rush for this. But yeah, cool. I think, like, is it fair to say that, I mean, obviously you knew this whole Apple Silicon transition was happening when you bought that laptop. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess sort of like you, like everybody, didn't really realize like just how good these Apple chips would be. Well, but but I also kind of like, I don't want any of the current ones. Like sixteen gig, like my what? What is what is this iMac I'm sitting in, uh, sitting in front of? Have yeah, it's got sixty four gigs of RAM. Like I sixteen, like every M one based computer has a max of sixteen gigs of RAM, right? It does. Yeah, yeah, like that's just not enough. So therefore, like I, I just even though like it's moving quickly and the, they're very good processors, like I couldn't have bought any of the ones they currently have. So the the rumor with the M one X which is what these laptops is going to have is that it's going to be 32. Yeah. It's going to be limited at 32. Yeah. That's not enough. Like 32 is, is acceptable, but six, like Lightroom is a, is a big, is a big old Ram hog. Although actually it's a real time follow-up. I guess this, this nine to five Mac article, which is kind of summarizing a couple of different sources has said that Bloomberg has actually indicated that the M one X is going to be capable of up to 64 gigabytes of Ram. But that there's there been some go. other reporting that have suggested it's only going to be 32. So we'll see. Yep. All right. Anything else or chef specials? I think that's it for me. All right. All right. I'm, I'm taking a I'm taking a chance here given our conversation around Monk's kettle. But I'm I I had this pick picked out before that conversation, so I'm I'm gonna stick with it. I've got a restaurant recommendation for you. Okay. Send you the link. 
Never heard of it. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so this place is called Fern Bar, um, which <laughs> it's is a in... Squarespace site. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> which is like my third chef special from uh, the Barlow in, in Sebastopol. <laughs> yeah, which I've, I've really, you know, if it hasn't become clear already, I've, I've really come to enjoy um, over the years. And... Um, so I, I've seen this place a couple times when I when I've been up there because I mean the Barlow's not all that big, so it's it's pretty easy to kind of see everything that's there, and um, kind of wanted to try something new for for brunch this past weekend, and so we checked this place out. The food and the cocktails were just just fantastic, like just really really good. Um, that's all I've got. It was it just was it was fantastic. Uh, man, uh, can I have some money? Uh, Twenty five dollars <laughs> for a burger and fries. That's 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 what I had, and it was a really really good burger. Fifty five dollars uh, for a strip steak. Yeah, we went for we went for brunch, so the, there was nothing quite like that on the menu. But um, and the the cocktail I had, which I think was called like whiskey for breakfast, it, it was. Might have been the best cocktail I've ever had. It was fourteen. And I, it better be. <laughs> they also they had something on the menu which I had never seen before, which was you could order your cocktail. Like if you if you enjoyed it and wanted to take it home, you could you could buy a bottle of it in like a couple different sizes, which I thought was was kind of neat. I didn't do that, but but yeah. And this we 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 sat outside. Um, they just kind of have, I don't know if it's a permanent space or not, but they, they have a, like a big outdoor area, uh, which is where we sat. But I, I did, I did when I checked in kind of, you know, look around inside a little bit and it's, it's really, really nice on the inside. Um, so yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, like not a hater. Like, I mean, this, this, this seems cool. And if it has your recommendation, like that, that, that's, yeah, I mean, this is, this is worth a shot that you have these steep prices eleven dollar fries um but no like the visually like i mean it looks really like a really really cool space um like it's it's a little, little extra but not too much like and i mean not in a really good way um also i do see on here like i'm I'm a sucker for um a bar or a restaurant with live music so i don't, was that uh on okay. mm-hmm it did have some live music going yeah i guess that's that's pretty damn neat so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna bookmark this, and then I don't know. Maybe again, once once our Squarespace ad revenue comes in, I'll just, just let me know when the check comes. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Okay. Save this. Um. Do I have anything? I 